All right, we are back. You know, we were so overwhelmed with obituaries that I just, I'm just inclined to give them up. But we won't. We'll talk about them in future installments of this program. It was with some sadness that I picked up the most recent uh, issue of Vanity Fair and realized that, you know, Dominic Dunn is never going to be in the magazine. It's a shame. He was a great writer. And uh, regarding the passing of Ted Kennedy, all I want to say is there's a, there was a picture on the front pages of, the, of America's newspapers showing the president, the vice president at, at Ted's funeral, along with uh, former President Clinton and the current Secretary of State. Between the two was George W. Bush, who in the photograph looked remarkably like Popeye the Sailor Man. You know, right about that moment where he kind of like scrunches down on the pipe and then starts punching. His lips are just in this, you know, tight frown. He just looks as cartoonish as ever. And boy, so I hope he's enjoying his retirement in Crawford, Texas. I hope he's enjoying it at least as much as the rest of us are. But uh, talking about arrests, uh, like we were a minute ago in second segment, I- I've been saving this, this article again from the Sacramento Bee. And, and no, we're not getting a kickback from the Bee for all this, by the way. should be noted that the Bee is actually, at this point, uh, through McClatchy, really holding its own and, and doing some good work when a lot of newspapers are folding everywhere. But it was an article on common crimes which showed a nice colored chart with a breakdown of assaults in Elk Grove. An article by Philip Reese noted that the FBI had recently announced that aggravated assaults in Elk Grove jumped 50% from 2007 to 2008, a trend police attribute to an increase in domestic violence. There was a nice graphic then showing a color-coded breakdown of number of assaults per 1,000 building. Some of the rural districts had less than five, but uh, some of the more central ones had more than 15. Anyway, regarding Elk Grove in general, a kind of sprawling semi-suburban area located south of Sacramento and demonstrating, well, no character whatsoever. I always think of a great New Yorker cartoon of many years back. The title on it was Urban Planning. It showed a couple of engineering types uh, peering over an easel. One of them is critiquing the other guy's work, saying, No, no, no. You've got the ghetto way too close to the shopping center. Which, for my mind, pretty much summed up urban planning. And uh, speaking of plans that may not have worked out as well as some might have hoped, we have the UC Davis visit to Fresno last weekend to play the Fresno State Bulldogs. We've been outspoken on this program in our criticism of football factories and the fact that uh, certain lunkheads are pretend college students for the sake of advancing numerous teams playing football across the country. And I hope you caught Frank DeFord's excellent comments on ranking, which, which aired this Wednesday on National Public Radio. But college football is, of course, a national disgrace. I'm always thinking of teams like the Oklahoma Sooners, who are always running up the score to 63-7. to Although I did note that last Sunday it was the Tennessee-Western-Kentucky game that had the score of 63-7. to Because one of the things that goes into the rankings is the lopsidedness of the score. So when you run the score up, well, you get more points from the coaches and the sports writers. I don't think this says much for sportsmanship. When you got the guy down... 48 to nothing. Couldn't you just settle for a field goal? Oh, and by the way, 
The California Aggies didn't didn't do so well down in Fresno. The Bulldogs won the game 51 to nothing. Shutting out uh, the Aggies for what I believe was the first time in 17 years. Which it turned out the coach apparently had a bit of a grudge. He only lost three games while he played for Cal State Riverside back in the early 70s. And two of those were to Davis. Said Fresno State coach Pat Hill about those losses. They were very good. And I remember who their quarterback was. He was good too. Quarterback uh, Bob Briggs of the 1973 Aggies is not coincidentally currently their coach. Of course, I do want to say in UC Davis's defense that uh, unlike the Fresno State Bulldogs, the Cal Aggie players are all able to read and write. And I would hasten to add to all my Fresno friends, I'm just kidding. Though, not 100%. But you know, the pampered college of football player is kind of a, you know, a stereotype of American life. It's good to know that we're moving away from that in the 21st century. For example, this article in the sports page is about San Jose State linebacker Rhino Gonzalez. I guess he formerly played for Del Oro High School in Sacramento. It was noted that he got a relatively lenient sentence arrangement after he apparently punched somebody out uh, not long ago. Apparently a romantic rival got punched in the mouth. And uh, they cut a deal with him. You have to spend a couple days in jail, picking him up two at a time, presumably a couple days you know, during the week, at the Roseville Police Department jail. But it was noted that the linebacker dropped the ball and apparently showed up for only a handful of days and blew off the rest. It was noted that in response, a judge increased the sentence for the misdemeanor battery conviction, and now he's been ordered to serve two uninterrupted months in county jail just as soon as his fall semester and the football season ends. Prosecutor Jeffrey Moore was quoted as saying, it seems as if he hasn't wanted to accept any responsibility. I don't want there to be any appearance of favoritism for an athlete. And I say, well done, Mr. Moore. Clearly, forcing him to serve two uninterrupted months in county jail just as soon as the football season ends shows he's not getting any special treatment. All right, we got about eight minutes left. Let's go to the miscellaneous file. Greenland, the world's largest island, if you don't count Australia, which is generally considered a continental landmass, has been run by the Danes for much of the past 300 years. Well, they're starting to celebrate some self-government. The 56,000 or so Greenlanders have been growing more nationalistic. They're claiming some limited uh, home rule. That's been going on for three decades, and they've become the only people ever to secede from the European community. In the referendum last November, 75% of voters called for looser ties with Denmark, and of course, the, the equitable Danes, being who they are, said fine. It's been pointed out by people like The Economist that Greenland will now need to wean itself off Danish subsidies worth about, thir- worth about $11,000 per person per year. But uh, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, geologists have uh, done some seismic studies on the, of the seabed off of Greenland and say there's a good chance of finding offshore oil and gas. So maybe uh, someday, sooner rather than later, Greenland's going to become an independent nation. Of course, being an independent nation uh, uh, on the world's largest island with a population of about that of Fairfield uh, <laughs> may be problematic.
Speaking of the Arctic, uh, study out last week notes that the Arctic's geological record indicates that warming is human-caused. It was noted that based on the Earth's natural cycles of uh, how the Earth's axis is tilted, it would have been expected that the Arctic should have gotten colder over the past 2,000 years. In fact, by rights, all things being equal, the Arctic should have fallen by about 1 degree Fahrenheit since the time of Jesus. Instead, the region has warmed 2.2 degrees since 1900 alone. And the decade from 1998 to 2008 was the warmest in two millennia. Said climatologist Daryl Kaufman of Northern Arizona University, not only was the last half century the warmest of the last 2,000 years, but it reversed the long-term millennial-scale trend towards cooler temperatures. Might be a good time to quote from a letter we received last week from Larry, who listens to the show uh, as he drives home from Woodland. Larry said that as an engineer, he enjoys... uh, Uh, our interviews, and looks forward to science topics. was intrigued by the cosmic ray cloud connection that we talked about on last week's show. In uh, Googling the topic, he noted that he was surprised to find that uh, this item was linked to the global warming question. One source at least said that the cosmic ray cloud connection was a credible scientific explanation for global warming. This correspondent uh, has his profound doubts about that since, since, as I reconstruct it anyway, We're at a solar minimum right now, which means more cosmic rays should get in, meaning more clouds, meaning it should be mitigating global warming. But uh, Larry requests that we look at this again, and I think we shall. No one really expected that there'd be a cosmic ray, uh, uh, a global weather connection. And, you know, when surprises like this arise in science, it it often leads to some very interesting follow-up research. And uh, we do. We do try and uh, try and be accurate and take a look at things uh, uh, in a balanced way on this show. And if you're going to be fair, and we try to be, you need to get your facts straight. So I really want to, uh, to give uh, a round of applause. I hate to say this, but to the Sacramento Bee. Yay! For a column they ran called Fact Check, coming from factcheck.org. And we need a lot more of this uh, out there in, in, uh, in our news media where statements that are made are just not taken at face value. In this case, the fact check examined the claim from a conservative group with Republican ties called the Independent Women's Forum, which is currently airing an ad that says 300,000 American women with breast cancer might have died if our health care were government run like England's citing the American Cancer Society as a source for the figure. The facts? A spokesman for the Cancer Society's advocacy arm says that figure is not reliable and adds, it's not one that we've ever cited. It's not one that we would ever cite. An epidemiologist with the Cancer Society said the way the figure was calculated was really faulty. They noted the key statistic here was the ad uses outdated survival rate statistics. More recent numbers show England's survival rate to be closing the gap with that of the U.S. Experts within the American Cancer Society and the National Cancer Institute say mortality rates provide a more accurate comparison and the mortality rates for breast cancer for the two countries are similar. They went on to note that a false comparison inherent in all of this is the fact that nothing like England's system is being considered currently by either House of Congress. Conclusion, the ad's main thrust is a false appeal to women's fears. 
bravo to the B and bravo to all agencies out there that will, you know, do some fact-checking. We ran a comedy bit uh, sometime back on this program. We haven't done enough comedy here in a while, but we did one sometime back about Rush Limbaugh's fact-checker. The humor being based on the fact that there is obviously no such person. In fact, if Rush Limbaugh decided to start relying upon fact-checking, he wouldn't have much of a show. Speaking of checking your data, we love this item from Afghanistan. Apparently in the Kandahar province, southern Afghanistan, the results from 66 polling sites were released a few days ago, and in nine of them, a startling 100% of the votes went to Hamid Karzai. We believe these were the provinces where the votes were being counted by his brother, Jeb Karzai. Anyway, I feel sorry for Afghanistan, but it, I have to say, it does appear they're just not getting the hang of this democracy thing. And one hopes we don't plan to stick around, we meaning the U.S., uh, for the next decade or two, while they get the hang of it. All right, we got about three minutes left, so let's do two quick items. Researchers at the University of uh, Athens in Georgia have discovered that clams, clams, can clear water of the avian flu virus. Clams, of course, are filter feeders. They, they gain nourishment by uh, filtering out water. And since ducks and waterfowl do spread uh, flu all around the world, the fact that these, uh, when you had viruses in the water and the clams filtered that water and took out the, uh, the virus, well, that's, I guess it's good news. Although it said to note for the purpose of the experiment, birds were fed clams exposed to the virus for 48 hours and they didn't get the flu. Nor did the ducks suffer if they drank the water that had been filtered by the clams, but all the ducks in the experiment that drank unfiltered water died. Of course, this is a long way from suggesting that they might introduce clams into lakes and rivers to uh, stop the spread of flu. I'm sorry to say, we are out of time. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm your host, Douglas Everett, and we'll be back next week at the same time. We will see you then.